Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Welcome to another episode. We are about to discuss From Dust Till Dawn, which was picked by Scott, but will be defended by Brian. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I, I had immediate buyer's remorse. Uh, so the, the, the thought process for me was, oh, it's summertime. I'm We're going to do all movies that are either beach themed or everybody is sweaty in them. So it's got to be hot. Um, and we already did the incredible melting man. So, so I, I was thinking, okay, well, everybody's super sweaty and from dusk till dawn. And, um, that I, I, it's my favorite Tarantino half of a movie. And so I picked it. And by the time we first see George Clooney and Tarantino, I am regretting my decision because I hate the way that Tarantino writes so much. And I had forgotten because I think that it's been at least 15 years since I watched this movie. So here's my controversial opinion. I like this movie until the vampires come in. <laughs> well, that's the way I used to think about it. And <laughs> and now I don't really like any of it except for the were rat or the vampire. Rat. So I will have to say poppycock. Um, <laughs> Malarkey. To, to both Matt and Scott. I think that this is a, I love this movie. I love this movie. I think that a sham for the most part, right? And I know Matt's a Wes Anderson fan, so I may be attacked for this, but but George Clooney is a good actor in very few roles. This is a role I think he's a good actor in. So I wrote a note down because I, I looked at his filmography and I feel like this was the first time that we got a glimpse of what George Clooney could do. Because at this point, George Clooney was like 
shows up on sitcoms as like little bit parts and then was on ER. And then out of nowhere, he's in this like hyper violent movie. And I don't think this did well, but then he was like romantic comedy leading man for three or four years. And, and I think not that guy, no. And I think it wasn't until three Kings. I remember being the movie where all of a sudden I was like, George Clooney can kind of play a badass. Yeah. Well, wait, what, <laughs> what about Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Because that was nine, uh, 2000, wasn't it? Yeah. A, um, confession. That me. is that. That's the year. That's the year after Three Kings. Like I think oh, okay. Three Kings was when people were like, "Why are we only casting him as romantic lead in these rom coms when there's clearly like more going on with this guy?" And I think that he is actually one of the better. Like in the nineties. You were either a TV actor or a film actor, and it was very hard to make that transition, and very few people could. And I think that George Clooney is the best example of someone who actually really, like, it's like him and Will Smith, as far as, like, 90s TV actors who prove that they are actually better as film actors. I don't disagree, yeah. But what's that, your confession about, oh, brother, where art thou? I haven't seen it. Oh, it's a great movie. I know. I I've heard nothing but like incredible things, and I've never I never saw it. And it's got one of my favorite movie soundtracks of all time. Yeah, I love dude. That stuff. Hell yeah! Uh, I always liked this movie, and I'm currently reading Rebel Without a Film Crew, which is making me love this movie and Robert Rod- Robert Rodriguez even more. Although I will say. Unless you're like a gung-ho, super motivated person, I would not suggest reading this book because it's very defeating uh, because I would like to make a movie one day. And then I read this book and I was like, well, I will never put forth the effort that this guy put in to make a movie. <laughs> yeah, I I want to like that book more than I actually do. Like, I, I appreciate how important that book is for filmmakers. And I remember when I read it, I was just like, I feel like I'm just reading someone's journal and as much as I love Robert Rodriguez, he just feels really proud to be Robert Rodriguez (laughs) throughout the entire book. My first experience seeing this movie was following King of the Hill on a Sunday night on Fox at 8 p.m. is their 8 p.m. October movie. And they, as far as I could tell, I only watched like the first hour, but like they cut out the language. But I remember like, Quentin Tarantino staring through the hole in his hand and stuff like that. So I don't think they were cutting a ton for violence at the time, but I love, Oh, you can see as much, you can see as much murder as you want. Just no titties. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But yeah, I, I really love this movie. I love the first, I love that until the first hour, it's not even a horror movie. Like the first hour is just to me, like a really good Quentin Tarantino script. Uh, I love the scene specifically at the start where they're in the like convenience store that whole ordeal all the way up to like them walking out of an exploding building having a very casual conversation of like how they need to handle things i really i don't have a ton of notes written down because i remember so much about this movie like as i was watching i'm like yep i remember this oh yeah no i got this like i didn't i didn't have to worry about like oh i gotta write reminders to to think about these things um, I just enjoyed, and I guess after Night Beast, it was just enjoyable to put on something that was just like, eh, this was nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't even know how you both don't like the movie. 
I know. Matt just said he likes of, it. What point of comprehension sucks? Matt likes fifty percent of the movie. I like seventy five percent of the movie because it's an hour and ten minutes before vampire show up, and even then, I don't dislike the vampire stuff. There's some really like Quentin Tarantino has said that when he so the way that this worked because I never knew the whole deal. I always thought that it was Quentin Tarantino wrote half, Robert Rodriguez wrote half. That apparently isn't the case. What happened was that. Quentin Tarantino needed the ear cutting scene for Reservoir Dogs, but he didn't have money to get a good effect. So the effects company, the head of the effects company was like, I have this idea for a movie with vampires. If you write that script for me, I'll do the ear cut effect for free. So Quentin Tarantino wrote the script, but he was like, my goal in the vampire scenes was that when we got there, I wanted it to be a nonstop showcase of what this special effects team could do. So once they get to the vampires, it was it was no longer about dialogue and was all about just like effects, 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 effects. And I think that the effects are really, really cool. Like I specifically love uh, there's a scene where like Harvey Keitel has like half a face and mm. it looks great. It's just like the pacing when it gets to that point, it's just like so fast and so chaotic and for me like i'm already in like quentin tarantino mode where i'm just like i just i like the dialogue i like the snippiness i like the back and forth i like the layers that it's covering with story and then it's just like a gore fest with that just feels super random (laughs) i enjoy it but like i could watch this as just an hour-long short and be perfectly happy with it as well i think that my biggest problem and as you're talking uh, i think that my biggest problem with this movie is that the vast majority of it takes place in one room i like those though yeah yeah that's what i was about to say is like uh, that's an interesting concept and i had not really thought about that in the past as far as you know like what this movie is about but uh, it's interesting to think about it now as an adult that said i i like the visuals um uh, well i hate the cgi i hate yeah, the cgi that, the cgi is rough yeah i don't i don't like the vampires look in the movie i like some of the vampires looks like tom savini is a vampire where he's wearing just like a big like rubber suit essentially like the rubber suits are cool but it's when it's those like aerial shots of someone immediately transforming and it's very buffy the vampire slayer transformation yeah. style it's like oof. Nah. yeah and and being an eight-year-old you know to <laughs> to to have a weird feeling down there with selma hayek and then she looks like that it just really affects the look of the vampires for the rest of your life <laughs> Eh, yeah i mean there is like you were saying there's a little bit of an inconsistency with some of these but i do really enjoy the i enjoy the fact that you really get to see how talented the effects team is it just some consistency would be nice that's all yeah and i mean i think that there are two things that i've still continued to love throughout this movie one is the soundtrack i love the soundtrack i love like the bluesiness of it. And then you've also got like this crazy rock and roll mariachi band when you get into the bar. What about his human guitar? That was dumb, <laughs> but also fun. Like it was, it, when did it he have ridiculous. the time to do that? I know it doesn't make sense. It was, it was, uh, it was stupid, you know, but it was just a fun thing. Like it just seemed like, do you think that he makes an, a fresh one or do you think that that was one that he had, hanging around waiting for for a chance to to you know to yeah, he went to out. show it off yeah he's been like i've been check, tuning out, I mean, check out my new guitar i <laughs> mean listen 
uh, he definitely had to have that. He 100% had to have that ready to go when it was time to transform because I've been to a lot of coffee house shows and I've seen <laughs> someone attempt to tune a guitar before a show. And it makes for an awkward, <laughs> awkward five to seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. Instead of guitar strings, there must be a real bear. (laughs) But the other thing that I like beyond the the music is the multiple appearances of Cheech. Uh, Both is the DA, probably my least favorite of the three appearances. Him as the Barker outside the Titty Twister, just screaming about Pussy, as he says multiple times. Almost my favorite, but I really do love him as just the character at the end of the movie who has to react to all the information that's being thrown (laughs) at him. I think it's because you go from him playing such an over the top character in that, in the outside of the titty twister sequence that like, then he's just very reserved. It's like the juxtaposition of those two characters is really entertaining to me. (laughs) Well, I also want to talk about the fact if we're talking about good acting versus bad acting, uh, Tom Savini can't act for shit. No, no, he absolutely and he insists cannot. that he's a better actor than a special effects man, and it drives me nuts. Wait, what? Like, he supposedly, I've never had this experience, but supposedly he does not, if you see him at a convention, he does not want to talk to you about special effects because he's an actor. Well, what I've heard is that he's just an asshole in general, but I don't yeah. But yeah, it's like, dude, you are not an actor if the only movies that you can act in are people who hired you for special effects. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No one is saying, you know who should be the lead in this movie? Tom Zavini. Yeah, but the thing is is that, like, his hair is so bad that he's never going to be a leading man. No. Mm. And that's okay. Also, his face and his ability. Oh, jeez. Now we're just character assassinating. Man, you know what's going to suck is that, like, we're going to, I'm going to finally get to meet him at a a con and and he's actually going to be nice and be like, man, all the times that I gave him a hard time on my, my podcast. Whoops. And then he's going to be like, I, I thought it was yeah, going to go in a nice different guy. direction. I thought it was going to go in a different direction. <laughs> You're like, I thought I, I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to meet Tom Savini. And he's like, I read on the internet that you motherfuckers. Yeah. Have some- I don't, I don't think Tom Savini knows how to internet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to talk about two things. We need to talk about Danny Trejo, uh, because yeah. I believe this is his first appearance in an HMN movie. That can't be true. You keep talking. I'm looking at this gigantic filmography to back that up. <laughs> and the other thing that we have to talk about, which, you know, I cannot let go, is Quentin Tarantino's very, very obvious foot fetish. <laughs> because <laughs> it is on full display, not only in the script, but on the screen. We get him literally... Okay, so if, if, I, if I had a fucking fetish and I was powerful in, in Hollywood enough to be like, mm, who can I pay to get my rocks off with my paraphilia. Salma Hayek, at the height of her sexiness in 1996? Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to do it. And so he's like, okay, Salma Hayek, use this water and pretend it's tequila or beer or whatever the fuck. Why don't you course it down your leg, onto your foot, into my mouth, and mm-hmm. walk around on the floor for a little bit first. Let's, take, let's do like 10 takes, <laughs> and I'm going to jerk off to this for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the, there are three three foot fetish sightings physical like visual sightings and then there are also a bunch of times where he talks about like where some Hayek is like I'm not gonna kill you I'm gonna I'm just gonna half drain you and you get to be my slave and you get to lick my feet and be under my heel and Jesus Christ it is just 
so Incredible. obvious. I mean, but 1996 was a pretty wild year for for my sexuality in relation to Salma Hayek because this and Desperado were um, were big watches for me and mm-hmm. really kind of woke. No, yeah, maybe <laughs> I don't know. She's hot. That's all I'm trying to say here. <laughs> so Scott, I'm I'm in 2010 right now on his filmography, and I, I think I think you're right. This is the first Danny Trejo movie we've ever watched. <laughs> in 250 plus episodes and that is insane to me but i also forgot that he does not do nearly as many horror movies as i thought he did. He has a lot of action <laughs> yeah he's action and comedy those are like his two big ones one of the movies as i'm just scrolling through here looking at everything that he's done something called prego land huh uh <laughs> i forgot that he's in one of the most underrated teen sex comedies uh, Trojan War, and I feel like I'm going to go and watch with that right now. Yeah, with Eric Matthews, it's it's such a ridiculous movie. Oh, that reminds me uh, that we didn't talk about the liquor store attendant who gets lit on fire and then um, pops all the popcorn. That's right. Oh, oh god, I love that scene. I love that scene so much. That is my favorite part of the scene. But like, also, like the newscast about the gas station blowing up and everything. His the picture of the gas station or the liquor store attendant. He's like holding a giant fish with a shitty eating grin on his face. There are some like really nice unintent or intentionally funny, but also supposed to be like weird black humor kind of things going on that I do like, but the, it doesn't take away from the fact that I can't watch Tarantino movies because he, it must suck so bad to be a good person or to be a non shitty person and then have, Quentin Tarantino be like, you're going to say this super racist, super bigoted shit. You're going to call, talk about someone's mongoloid kid, you know, all this shit. And you're, and you're like, is that really part of my character? And Quentin Tarantino going to come over and he's going to like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's pretty important. <laughs> that's, that's a very good Quentin Tarantino. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I mean, for, for me, like what I like about the movie and, and it's something that I think is an interesting concept that's explored is I like that right out the gate, they let you know Quentin Tarantino's character is completely unhinged. He has a love of murder and he has no control over his like... Being a, a rapist? Yeah, like he's he's all types of fucked up. But what I like is that the relationship of him with George Clooney's character is like George Clooney ha- does a very good job and the script does a very good job of depicting this thing where it's like he's so torn between like He's my brother and I love him, but I know that like he is a monster. Like, like there's yeah. no like I like that back and forth. Like, I think there's even a point where after he kills him, doesn't he say something where he's like, at least you're like he's stopped now. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's like some type of weird there's like a weird line at one point where About like finding peace now. Yeah, like it's like acknowledging that he knows like I can't fix you. Like there's nothing I can do to fix you. So you becoming a vampire and getting staked is probably the best scenario for you because you are fucking awful. Like it's <laughs> it's it's such a weird dynamic and I I like that. I like that dynamic. I like the dynamic of like Harvey Keitel as this pastor who doesn't know if he believes in God anymore and like the like I like the the that for a what is supposed to be an homage to like a shitty grindhouse vampire movie, there is a lot of these like weird levels of of psychological stuff that's being examined and spiritual stuff being examined all at the exact same time. Like it's 
it's a lot headier than a movie of this caliber should actually be. And I think that that's kind of cool. Yeah. I can get behind that. <laughs> Anybody else have anything? I know I, I, I just blew it on that one. So <laughs> no, I mean, I blew my wad as far as things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, we know. Hi friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Uh, so double features, Scott. This was your pick. What are you double featuring it with? Okay, I'm gonna do a triple feature, but I'll save the third one for later. Yeah, please, because I think it might be mine. <laughs> I bet it is, dude. Well, I, my immediate one was Vamp because okay, I fucking love Vamp. Um, I, we need to talk about it because we talked about that on Reddit Horror Club, right? No, that was er, that was the first thirty episodes oh, of shit, our movie really? night. Yeah, it's been Vamp. fucking five years, so I can't yeah. remember anymore. Brian, you should see Vamp if you haven't. I have not. Oh, it's so much fun. If you like from Dusk Dawn, it is so clearly inspired by the movie Vamp in like every way. Super, super eighties. It's great. It's super delightful. But yeah, it's definitely a very big influence on from Dusk Dawn. <laughs> Damn, Vamp is a good one. All right, Brian. So I would double feature this with another Quentin Tarantino, not directed screenplay that I love, which is True Romance. Yeah. Oh, it's Megan's favorite. I was going to say, I'd argue that's probably, I think, the best Tarantino screenplay. screenplay. And it helps having someone else, like, pad over some of the rougher <laughs> parts of a Tarantino script. I was so afraid that Scott was going to pick this as his double feature. I mean, maybe it was his triple feature, uh, but I wrote down the vampire movie that this most reminds me of in like its actual visual aesthetic. And I just kept thinking of near dark while I was watching this. Um, not that near dark has a lot of the vampires that look this way or really has any of the same storyline, but there's just like this sweaty Texas vibe in both of those movies. <laughs> and I mean, near dark is a movie that like my appreciation for has diminished greatly over the years. But the one scene that I still think is amazing takes place in a bar. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that bar sequence is amazing. And, and that's not to say that near dark is a bad movie, but for years it was like, ooh, what is the better vampire movie from 1987? Is it Near Dark or The Lost Boys? And now I'm like, no, it's firmly The Lost Boys. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, The Lost Boys is a more enjoyable watch from start to finish than oh, Near sure. Dark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scott, what is something that you watch, listen wait, wait, to, wait. read? Oh, my triple oh yeah. Feature, what was your? I, so I was so confident that I had stolen it with Near Dark. No way. No. <laughs> What's your triple feature? I, I, 
I like Near Dark, and I love the fact that it's a woman director. Yeah. I don't really like the tone of it. It's a little – it's not as fun as I want. You know, like I'll watch it from like a critical standpoint, but I don't really watch a whole lot of horror from a critical standpoint unless it's for the show. A lot of it, what I want to watch is for fun. You know, I want yeah. like rubber suit monsters, and I one, want like one other one other beautiful thing that Near Dark gave us is that little boy vampire who then appeared in the amazing Teen Witch. Oh, and then went, no one's coming to us at Creed 16, body. <laughs> but then went on to write Final Girls. Yeah. So, so yeah. Oh, man. Final Girls ass, is a great movie. Dope-ass career for that guy. All right. What was your triple feature? <laughs> Graveyard Shift. Because it's got uh, that giant rat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's and, a vampire rat. And it's sweaty Texas weather. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, no, it's not. Swe- it's not sweaty Texas weather. It's sweaty Maine weather. But you know. Uh, fair enough. It's anyway, people sweating. It's it sweating. Yes. So what do you want to promote? You know how I just said that I, when I go back to watch horror that's not for the show, I kind of want to turn my brain off. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you turn your brain off to? So Shutter has Slumber Party Massacre and Slumber Party Massacre Two on it. And I literally watched three hours of Driller Killer. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, nice. Summer Party Massacre 2 still. Oh, you guys had to know that I did that because I posted the the, the Wednesday Weekend song on the group. It was just like, <laughs> I fucking love Summer Party Massacre 2. It is, it's, it gets more fun every time I watch it, but there is, it's not quite as much fun to watch as Prom Night 2. Uh, if I'm talking about sequels that I love, uh, sequels that are much better than the original um, because in Slumber Party Massacre 2 there is a this bit of like dread that I do actually feel uh, for the characters because you know you know they're all gonna fucking die I mean you've seen the movie before and even if you haven't you know how these things go but I, I just feel so bad for the main woman from Wings um whatever her name is in real life because she is trying to fight her trauma and she doesn't she says at early on i don't want to spend my 17th birthday in an institution or like a, a, a mental hospital and then the whole thing is basically like none of the is any of this real is none of this real uh and when she's having all these like um having all the nightmares and having all the visions of people dying and um finally she is going to consummate her relationship with her new boyfriend and then he gets drilled through the chest and it's real and she comes running down the stairs covered in blood and she goes it's happening um that part is is really depressing for me but aside from that movie's great so (laughs) but then i followed it up with uh satan's cheerleaders now brian have you ever seen satan's cheerleaders i have not it is a definite Brian movie, but please don't pick it for the show. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I am going to talk about a podcast that, I mean, is pretty high up on the podcast charts right now. So it's not like I'm giving a shout out to some like deep secret show that no one knows about. Um, but everybody who knows me knows that my all time favorite show is Scrubs. Uh, there is a new podcast out called Fake Doctors, Real Best Friends. That is hosted by Donald Faison and Zach Braff. And they're literally just each week watching an episode of Scrubs and giving you like a full behind the scenes breakdown of 
what it was like on the set, what are things that they remember, what lines were improvised, what ones were in the script, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things I think is really cool is they have an email address and you email and they will bring you on the show uh, as a fan to ask two or three questions in uh, live on the air. Um, so I, uh, I may consider sending an email <laughs> to that email address. Uh, but yeah, uh, if you love Scrubs as much as I love Scrubs, it is a really great podcast to check out. And also a uh, quick shout out to the other podcast that I've been really enjoying, the Oh Hello podcast from John Mulaney and Nick Kroll, which is delightful. I haven't really watched anything, to be honest. I uh, probably should have talked about The Last Jedi last week because <laughs> then I could have brought up Rise of Skywalker today, but I'm not going to backtrack. <laughs> All right, then. We binge watch uh, Star Wars. We're starting. Uh, what will I watch this week? Is um, <laughs> Matt? Matt will be offended by this, but I have never seen any of the Harry Potter movies, so that is next on our franchise list. I'm not that offended by that because I, I mean, the movies are okay, but I am more firmly in the Harry Potter books. Oh, I God. love the fantastic. I love the Fantastic Beast movies. Oh man, Fantastic Beasts is the first one is so good i have not seen the second one the crimes of grindelwald so yeah, maybe it's I all have right to. matt you are the ultimate the movie's okay but did you read the book <laughs> well i am excited because i didn't read the books so but maybe you'll want to after you watch these that's true <laughs> uh anyway so that was from dust till dawn from 1996 not picked by brian picked by scott who would have thunk it uh so next week next week we're talking about one of my favorite movies adjacent <laughs> it's a sequel to a movie that i love but it's not a movie i love so stay tuned god you're so <laughs> we're such gluttons for punishment because of you. oh absolutely uh, you know what we'll have a lot to talk about anyway <laughs> oh you know what i should have been talking about this in the previous episode and i fucked up and forgot but i'm gonna remember right now so let's be let's be honest we're on lockdown at the time that we're recording this. This episode's coming out in June. We're going to keep recording these while we're on lockdown, which means that we're going to take a break once we get to the end of August in our recordings so that we can do listener submitted month. So you should start submitting those listener submitted month ideas ASAP because we're probably going to record those episodes maybe July, late July, early August. We're in June at the time this is coming out. So email us at hmnpodcast at gmail.com and let's get some really good suggestions. We've had really great ones. That's how we watched Extra, but we also had some really, really bad ones. So <laughs> let's aim for more Extra than, uh, I don't know, what's some of the, tri like uh, Boogeyman 2. Let's stay away from Boogeyman 2. Oh my God, Boogeyman let's 2. Let's stay away from Bloody Murder 2. Wait, no, that was Brian. Let's stay away from like suggestions like The Plague. Oh, wait, that was also Brian. Let's just stay away from letting Brian pick anything ever again. <laughs> no, I had fun with Night Beast. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Love you. Bye. listening to the Geekscape Network. Hi friends, the world got you down. 
Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 